Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Man, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you if you would turn with me um, to the book of Revelation. And I would say here in the beginning, most of my Christian life, I have read very little in the book of Revelation. And this, I will say in the future, I do want to read more because I don't know what it is. Just seem like here lately, I have almost been convicted by the Lord because I just... I have just almost lived my Christian life with just like thinking the Bible is just 65 books. And the Bible has 66 books, and I'm just speaking of me. And so what I want to read is just, I just want to read the first three verses. It's not what I'm wanting to speak about, but I just want to read in the very beginning. In the very first beginning, it says, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I thought, man, we claim to be the people of Jesus Christ. And I shun this book like it ain't even in the Bible. And I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to me. And I think I just, I've lived my whole Christian life like acting like this book ain't even in the Bible. And, and we just... And I've just looked at it like, well, that's for future tense. And it's got too many hard sayings. And, and it's like, it's just, that's just going to happen later. That, that's just going to come about at some other time. And God is like just saying, you know, I'm not telling you I'm going to try to open the third seal today. But what I'm wanting to do is just look at a couple of the churches that he spoke to. But I'm saying this book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is not a mystery of Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It should not be a mystery to us. God said, I will give you my spirit that he would lead and guide you into all truth. And therefore, I believe, I don't, uh, it's not a mystery. I make it. Kenneth makes it a mystery. It is not a mystery. Therefore, I believe it is, is literally what the Bible says it is, a revelation of of Jesus Christ and it says which God gave unto him to show unto his servants to show unto his servants to show unto the body of Christ the things which much come shortly to pass and he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ of all things that he saw now I want you to take notice of the third verse now listen to this. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy 
and those that keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. Now that is a threefold blessing obtained in that verse. Number one, just blessed is he that readeth. And number two, blessed is he if you just hear the words of this prophecy. And number three, if you'll just do what's obtained in this book, you would obtain all three blessings that comes according to this. And it's just like, I don't know, just here, it's been a while, but it's just like the Lord has just said to me, you shun this book. You just do everything, you bypass this book. And I'm just, I've just looked at it for so long, it's just, well, this book deals with the future, and, and i got to deal with the now. I'm speaking to me. i got to deal with the now. There's a lot of hard sayings in this book, and I, I, I'm just going to let people with greater wisdom and, and greater knowledge deal with this book. I'm going to just deal with the here and now, and then... I just went to the very first phrase and I just looked at it and it said the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I thought, why? Why do I stay out of this book? Why do I stay out of this book? If there is some sayings in there that I don't understand, if it deals with the future, then I think I can stay in this book and God will just like Brother Boyd read to us how his disciples they stayed with him long enough that he opened their understanding. It was at a time when the disciples was not, wasn't thinking that God was going to open their understanding, but they kept Jesus' presence long enough that he opened their understanding. So I believe that if I'll stay with the book long enough, that these sayings that I think are so hard, God will open my understanding, and I liken it, and we can look at it like God did so many times before that he took something in the natural and made a spiritual point. And we can look at it like something that we think is so complicated and somebody just, you know, we can say, all right, just explain that in simple terms. And they just explain it to us and you look, I see that. I really see that. But before I couldn't see that till you explained it. And we can take and learn something and God can teach us and show us something if we will take and study and show this and, and show God that we are interested. And like I say, I'll leave you out of it. I'm speaking to me. But, but here again, I do want to study in this book in the future. I do want to learn from this. But God said, this is a revelation of me. And if it's one thing I desire and one thing I want to know, it is truly the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the one thing I desire and I want to know. Because it is a part of us. It is a part of who we are. And this book pertains of who we are. Because it is about the one whose name that we're buried in. So it is what I want to know. So what I want to know really is truly what it's about. It is really and truly what it's about is the unveiling of the things that previously which were veiled. So that's what it's doing. It's unveiling the things which, which was veiled. It is really the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to know. Now, if you would turn with me to the third chapter, I want to look at the, a couple of the churches. Now, there's probably, I don't know, a lot of different opinions when it comes to the books, I mean, when it comes to the churches. But I'll just 
since I had the mic, I'll give you mine. Not that it means anything. I'm, like I'm saying, I just had the mic, so here's my opinion. As of, as of today, as of today, concerning the seven churches. Now, this is what I believe. That the seven churches, some have said they pertain to a time period, and some says it's the church as a whole. I believe it's both. I believe since it's to the seven churches that are in Asia, we can look at it literally. Now, the church was not physically very old when this was written. So the, to the churches that was in Asia, there was more than seven churches. So to the seven churches in Asia, that was not all the churches. So he did not pick and choose saying like, I like you, but I don't like you. So he, to me, this is the, the choosing of seven churches as a whole. In other words, getting all the churches. When you get all of this, you pick the church as a whole. In other words, you got this personality, look at it like this personality, this personality, and it would make up a whole of what the church is like. It's what I believe. Now, then you can take the church as time periods. You can take each church as it was of the seven church and place a time period. I believe it pertains to that too. That's why I'm, I'm not trying to split the fence. I literally believe they pertain to both. That's me. Now, of the time period that I believe that what we are in now is a church that I want to speak of first, and that's Laodicea. I believe that's the period that's where, that we are in now. Everybody says, what? We've got everything we need. We come to church. We buy the preacher. We tell him what we want to hear. If we don't like it, we'll just get the committee to vote him out, and we'll get somebody that, that we do like. They can preach like we want, and if we don't like it, we'll just, we'll just adjust it a little bit. For we've got everything that we need. We don't have to ask God for food. We don't have to ask God for shelter. We don't have to ask God for clothing. We don't have to ask God for nothing. We have everything we need. Therefore, what do we need? I'm being blunt, but what do we need God for? We have everything we need. We'll come to church. We'll go through the motions. We'll satisfy our conscience, and then we'll leave. We have everything we need. Literally, I believe that is America today. For then we come in, us, blood-bought child of God, we come in and we say, look, we can't do this on our own. We need God. We can't come in here and go through the motions. We're not going to come in here and go through the motions. We need God to help us do anything we do. Any and everything we do, we need God to anoint us and direct us, guide our steps, because we cannot do this on our own, no matter what we're doing. And not only in church, in every facet of our life, we need God to direct us. We're saying we do need God. We do need God's direction. That's why we ask God for everything, every day, to guide us and direct us. That's why we're taught from the time we start this to the time that we end, you've got to have the spirit of discernment. You need to know what you're dealing with. You need to know because the enemy is going to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his goal. So you need to know if something's out of kilter, if something's messing with you. You need to know when something is going wrong to have enough spiritual discernment about you to know if the enemy is trying to come in the back door to try to detect that because the enemy's going to try that. And then if I don't have enough God about me to do to detect the enemy when he's trying to come in on a way that that looks just natural to me, then I'm missing the point. 
That's why we're taught. I mean, you have to have spiritual discernment. That's why we say we can't do this on our own. We need God. I don't care how much food's in the, in the cabinets or how much money's in the bank. We can't do this. We need God to help us. We need his protection. We need his guidance. We need his help. We need his protection. We need that each and every day. We tell God we cannot do this. We need your help. We need your guidance. We do not want to be like the church of Laodicea that just says we're rich and increased with goods. We have everything we need. It does not. To the natural man, they was telling God, why pray for anything? We have everything we want. No, we cannot get in that frame of mind. We cannot do that, and we're saying we're not going to do that. We have to fight this natural man. That's why Paul said there's a natural man and a spiritual man, and they are going to be at war. If I, if I ever find myself of the natural and the spiritual at ease, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I mean, it tells me woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. If the, if, if the two opposing forces in me are at ease, then something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. So I have to do that. So this church, Laodicea, that's why I believe that is this church age. This church age. Just come to church, go through the motion, satisfy your conscience, go home. You fulfill your allotted time. You go home. Everything's okay. God is, uh, God is going to save you. Everything's going to be good. But I'm telling you, uh, me and Sister Rayleigh was talking to church and, uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, she was talking about uh, deception. And I said, yes. But God is going to deal with ministers that stand and tell people that you're okay. You can do anything you want, say anything you want, live any way you want. I said, but God is still going to hold the individual accountable for allowing their self for being deceived. Because God is going to deal with a minister for doing that. But he's going to hold the individual accountable because they did not honor his word enough to look into his word to, to find out for themselves. For God said and re repeatedly said in his word, let no man deceive you. And let no man deceive you. We're taught, and rightfully so, to love and to honor your shepherd. Because it, remember when I told Brother Boyd, I said, you know, when, when, when uh, I said one of the highest uh, compliments I've ever given him is when I talked about uh, where, where Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I said, here, here is where I found your footprints. That's a compliment. But on my part, I've been looking. I have been looking. I love him with all of my heart. I'm telling you I do. But I have me and I have a family that's going to be hinged on this. So here is where I'm looking for them footprints. And the compliment to him is here is where I found them. That is a true compliment to him. But as a compliment to me is this is where I'm looking for them at. Because this is where, in other words, the, this is just crude. But I'm telling you, I'm not taking his word for it. I know that sounds crude, but I'm telling you, my soul, my family's soul's at stake. You your soul's at stake. You have got to look out for yourself. And I'm telling you, that sounds crude, but understand the content in which I'm saying it, the content in which I'm saying it, because God is going to hold us accountable. And if you are head of the home or whatever, God's going to hold you accountable for those that God, he has entrusted into your accountability. 
But I'm saying is this. We have his word. Look into his word. Trust his word. Trust his word. And we have that. And I do believe, I do believe with everything within me, within me, that we are in the late Odyssean age, that we are in this church age. Now, look with me in the, in the third uh, chapter of Revelation, and it starts at the uh, 14th verse. So let's just read it. Unto the, unto the angel of the church of the late Odysseans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thou works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold. Tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with thy salve that thou mayest see. Now, if you're a Christian, you've got to remember verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And to him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even I, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. And as he said to every church, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said unto the churches. Now this is, this is a long title, but I, I just didn't know no other way to title it. The noise of life. But there is a knock at the door. Now, where he said, These things saith the amen, the faithful and true. Now, the word amen was literally translated from the Hebrew into the Greek. Then it's been, trans it's been translated into Latin, from Latin into English, and from English into many other languages. And it literally, it's been, it's been said that the word amen is one of the widest, literally, one of the widest known words in, in human language is what I've read. Now, when we pray or when we believe something in the Bible, we affirm it with an amen. That's why God's promises say in him they are yea and amen. They are true and amen. So it will be, in other words, we understand it. Jesus said that he is the God of the amen. That's why he said, These things saith the amen, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, he said that that's why every promise is, yeah, and amen. That's why literally the end of the Bible closes with the word amen. And the, literally, Revelation, that's the way it closes out. Now, Laodicea, when you look on a map, this was the furthest church south of all the churches, as we look at it, it really was a rich trade center. They really was rich in monetary value. They really was. Now, what they did, they had um, the wool that they made. They had a black wool that they made. They was famous for this. The clothes that they made, uh, that they made with this, they had a medical school. 
They was very proud of this. They was proud of the clothes they made. They was proud of their medical school. They literally made an ISAF. And it's unique of the phrases that the Lord told them going back to natural terms of which they considered their self-proud. But the Lord did this. Now, the ISAF that, that they made came from literally a rock in that area that they made from. And now, but the one thing that's unique is that they didn't have fresh water. The water that they drank literally had come from a five to six mile aqueduct and literally by the time it got to them, it was cold nor hot. It was literally lukewarm. So that's where the term God said, I wish that you were cold or hot, but you're lukewarm. So literally he tells them this. Now, when Jesus said, I know thy works, he said, I was saying just you're just like the water that you drink every day. I wish you was cold or hot, but you're lukewarm. And literally, it's, it's what we would know. The, the King James just toned it down a little bit, and I'll try not to be too, too bad about it, but it, it literally means vomit. He said, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It's literally what it means. A lot of translations use that word, but the King James used spew you out of my mouth. So the way I would look at it is God is just telling them, I'm fixing to expel you from the body. As we say in terms of the body of Christ, I'm fixing to literally expel you from the body. Now, he takes this and they say, I'm rich and I'm increased with goods have need of nothing, but God tells them, look, he said, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. But it wasn't that they, it wasn't that they were spiritually poor because they was. They was just spiritually blind to it. Now, literally, they were deceived. Now, they're telling their self because the Lord quoted it. Them of themselves, this church looked at their self and they basically said, we have everything we need. Number one, we're rich. We're, we, we are increased with goods. In other words, we have everything we need. We have in need of nothing. And then the Lord said, it, that's in your eyes. And God said, that's only looking through your eyes. And that's why we pray as Christians, God, just don't let me see through the natural. Please open my eyes to the spiritual. Because Laodicea, that's all they did is look at it through natural eyes. And in their eyes is, man, I got it going on. Look at what I've done. Our church is so successful. We have expanded. We have gaining people left and right. We are just doing program after program. And God says, all you're doing is just looking at it through natural eyes. And God said, if you would look at it through spiritual eyes, he says, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, that is one more contrast. They say they got everything they need. They're rich and increased with goods. In fact, they're so bold about it. They say, look, we... We just have need of nothing. We don't need nothing. In fact, they probably so arrogant about it. They said, we don't even need a God. 
We just so we got it so good. We don't even need a God. We, we, I mean, what would we need God for? We got everything we need. We don't need nothing. And God was said, "Look, look, you have it so bad that you've got it so bad that you cannot see it. All you do is look at it through this." And then God, that's when He told him. He says, "I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire." And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with thy salve, that they, that they, um, that thou mayest see. Now, he said, buy of me, buy of me. If you want to be rich, if you want to be rich, buy of me. Now, the only way, the only way that they could buy of me is the Lord is saying. Come to me, spend time with me, give yourself to me, quit looking at it through natural eyes, look at it through spiritual eyes, give yourself to me. And all they did, all they did was just said, look, we've got everything we need. We don't need nothing else. They were so deceived as all they could do was look at it from a natural point of view. And all they did was just looking at it through the natural, but all they was doing was impressing men. Now, all their accomplishments, that's all it did was impress men. But it was not impressing God. It's just all of this that they was doing was impressing men. It did not, I assure you, and God proved that. It did not impress him. Now, they was famous for this glossy black wool that they manufactured there. But God said, if you would come to me, you could have a white raiment. But what they done, they had this black glossy wool that they made. But God said, come of me, and then you can have this gold tried in the fire. You can have this white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. He said, you think you are clothed now. But God is talking in spiritual terms. He says, you think, Laodicea, that you are clothed. He says, naturally, you're clothed. Spiritually, you're naked. You have nothing on spiritually. All you see is in the natural. And you think you have a robe of righteousness on, but you don't. You are spiritually naked. All you have is basically nothing. And God said, if you would spend time with me, give yourself to me, then I would give you a white raiment, a robe of righteousness, that the shame of your nakedness would not appear. So he's telling Laodicea that. And then he would say, he's telling them, he said, take this ISAV. And then the Lord, here they are. And then I like the way God did this. He gave them something literally that they could relate to because they was famous for this wool in the ISAV. And God is saying, you need to anoint your eyes with an ISAV. And because they were so famous for this ISAV, God said, the ISAV that you got is for the natural. But you can't see. You literally can't see. And then he's saying, if you would anoint your eyes with a salve of my eye salve, then you would be able to see spiritually. And he's telling them in ways that they ought, ought to be able to understand. And they're just saying, you know, we, don't, we, we can't see it. We don't see it. Because all they was willing to do was look at it from a natural point of view. And God is saying, you can't do that. 
you have got to look at it from a spiritual point of view. So he's telling them, if you would look at it and take this, but you can't see, he said, buy of me. And then buy of me, spend time with me. And then he tells them, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous, therefore, and repent. They have. And then he said, I have this white raiment. I have a robe of righteousness to, to clothe you in. And then he's telling them, you know, he says, buy of me, buy of me. He was looking. What other words? What is your resource? They was looking. All of their resources was in the natural. All of their resource, everything they had, God was pointing to resources that they had, and everything was in the natural. God said, you have nothing in their spiritual. That's why, that's why I just, this is what I look at it. When I look at uh, in our resources where God told Abraham in the Bible, I mean, here again, there's different opinions. Since I got the mic, I'll give you mine. This is uh, what I believe where God said, for now I know. When, when he told Abraham to take Isaac and sacrifice Isaac, where God said, for now I know. I believe that's literally to the, um, the personal. Um, um, well, you think I know that as many times as I've said that. Okay, uh, maybe I better come back to that. <laughs> Okay, wouldn't you like to go blank in front of a hundred people? <laughs> okay, I'll come back to that. But he tells them, he says, all your resources is in, is in the natural. Nothing is in the spiritual. So he's telling them, if you would take and give yourself to me, then your resources can be in the spiritual. But all everything up to this point, it's just been in the natural, and God says, your resources needs to be in the spiritual. And they hadn't let it be in the, in, the, in the spiritual. He says, what you've got to see, you must look through the eyes of the Lord, and that they was not doing. They was not doing. He tells them, now, in verse 20, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and to sit down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now, this is what I love one of the things I love about the Lord. Verse 20 starts. This is to a church that just a few verses up that God is so irritated with. He says, I'm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'm going to expel you from my body. In other words, I'm fixing to have six churches. Not seven, but six. But here God says, but I'm going to stand at the door and knock. And if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, 
this is just a long suffering of God. He said, I will come into him and sup with him. In other words, that's nourishment. That's literally nourishment is what that is. So God is going to say, I'm going to come in, have nourishment with him, and he with me. Now, we could say, what kind of God is interested in what I have to say? Especially after what the Lord just said about these people. I'm going to expel you from the body, but I'm going to stand at the door and knock. And God said, if you would just open the door, I will nourish you, and then I'm going to stay and hear what you would have to say. This is not going to be just one-sided where I'm going to nourish you and then I'm going to leave. I will sup with him and he with me. In other words, God's not going to just do this. But look at verse 21. Now, this is a promise. This is amazing to me. Verse 21 is amazing. This is a promise that's not offered to the other six. The church at Laodicea is the one that scolded the most. But look what they're offered. They are offered a promise that nobody else is offered. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. Other words, the one throne in heaven... He just, this church, and he just said, I'm fixing to expel you. If you would overcome, open the door and be zealous and repent, I will let you sit with me in my throne. Now, he didn't offer that to no other church, but the later to see in church. And I'm telling you, and then he says, him, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Now, he says this to every church. If you got an ear, hear. Now, I go back with what Job, I go back when I hear that, I just go back to Job. It's just 38 chapters. The Lord just says, okay, Job, let her go. And for 38 chapters, Job just goes. And then at 38, the Bible says, and out of the whirlwind, God answered Job. So I've just said, you can't let the storm override the voice. So God repeatedly told every church, the Spirit is going to speak to every church, but only those that are listening is going to hear it. He that hath an ear, Let him hear what the Spirit says. He's going to speak. That is a promise. No matter what's going on, no matter how loud the noise gets, no matter what's happening, no matter the circumstance, God is going to speak. But sometimes life just gets so loud. But just like Job, it could have been where the storm just got so bad that literally God had to answer Job out of the whirlwind. But still, Job heard heard him speak. So God said, him that hath an ear, let him hear. 
Because he is going to speak. He is going to speak. But only the ones that are listening is going to hear it. Now, I want to just speak a couple more verses in to the church at Philadelphia. I just want to hit two verses. And that is same chapter, verse 7 and 8. Chapter 3 and 7. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast little strength, and thou hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Now, Philadelphia really, they really had, this church here had so many idols, so many gods, but you know what I mean, idols, had so many gods there, so many temples that it was literally called the Little Athens. There was just so many there. It was a center of worship for the Olympian gods. So, in verse 7, when he talks about the key of David, that's just speaking of authority. He said, he that openeth, no man shutteth, and shutteth, if no man openeth. In other words, God said, if I open it, and nobody going to shut it, if I shut it, ain't no man going to open it. It's done. I have the authority. And then he says, in verse 8, he said, I know thy works. I know thy works. He told that to every church. I know thy works. Don't look at that as a bad thing. Literally, whatever you're doing, God knows your works, regardless of what it is, regardless of what it is. Whatever you're doing, in any capacity, if you just pray five minutes a day for the church, I know thy works. God knows what you're doing. I'm telling you, don't look at that in a negative way. God said, I know thy works. God knows what you're doing. You will be rewarded for it. And he said, I have set before thee uh, an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast little strength. Now, he says, little strength, three things, little strength. Then he says, thou hast kept my word, and thou hast not denied my name. Little strength does not imply uh, weakness, but real strength. And what we can base that on is Paul said, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When you go back and read that passage, Paul is just saying, within myself, I ask God repeatedly to remove this thorn. And when you look up the word thorn, I always, I don't know why, but I just always liken that as a thorn. That don't mean a thorn. That means thorn. When you look at the word thorn, that means a tent stake. And, that, and you read that where it says, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Buffet means to strike with the fist. That don't mean just a, 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 just a mild temptation. That means somebody that's beaten him. So that was really a hard temptation. That is why I believe he repeatedly asked God, to take that from him. So God, when he told him, he said, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness. For my strength, God said, my strength is made perfect. 
in, in weakness, in human weakness. He said, for thou hast little strength. What I believe he's telling them, you have enough spiritual sense about you to know that I can't do this on my own, Philadelphia saying, I know where my limitations are. I know where my human strength lies. I know when I have enough wisdom, godly wisdom enough to stop with my human strength and say, God, I need you to help me now. I've went as far as I want to go within myself. I need you to help me now. He said, for thou hast little strength. For Paul, for Paul said, for when I'm weak, then am I strong. When I'm weak in this flesh, as you would put it, he's saying, then am I strong in the spirit. And then he, he, he's telling them in Revelation, you've had little strength. You've realized that you can't do this on your own and you're taking and allowing God to work through you. And then he's telling them, he says, you've had little strength. You've allowed God, the Holy Ghost, to operate through you, realizing that you can't do this on your own. And then he says, thou hast kept my word, or literally, you have obeyed my word. This is not just something that was written for people 2,000 years ago. He says, you have kept my word. You have obeyed my word. And they did this. And then he says, you, have, you haven't denied my name. Literally, to me, that can only mean one thing. You have taken my name. You hadn't denied my name. You've literally took my name. And therefore, you have not denied my name. So he's telling the church at Philadelphia, the three things that has brought this about, you've had little strength. He says, you've kept my word, and you have not denied my name. Literally, literally, when life turns up the volume, <laughs> there's going to be noise. There's going to be noise in life. But I'm telling you, there is always going to be a knock at the door. And I'm telling you, when we just stop and realize and just realize we can't do this, we can't do this on our own. And God is the source of our, our help and our hope and our strength because that is where we can find that he is the, he is the one that's going to help us. And he is our, our hope and our strength. I'm going to ask our musicians if they would to come because I know that it just seems like that as life goes on, the louder it gets. But as loud as it's going to get, the more real God's going to get because I'm telling you, He's going to speak because that's why he said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches because God is not going to quit talking. His Spirit is going to keep speaking. He is going to just keep letting his church know what to do. And when it comes to his revelation, he is not going to hide it. It is not a mystery. It is only a mystery if I make it a mystery. For it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it is, uh, we are the people of Jesus Christ. He is our hope, our strength, and everything we want and need is found in him. And I love him and I thank him for it. He is the strength and our hope. Hallelujah. And, and what I messed up so much while ago, I'll just try and relate to you now. Where God told Abraham to take Isaac and to take and sacrifice him. And when he said, for now I know, what I believe God was saying is that he gave Abraham the right to choose right then. God was saying he gave him what the word that I 
was just lost on a while ago. He gave us a free will, literally. And the one thing that, because I've had people just ask me, why won't, other words, they want something out of an individual and say, why won't they do that? And it's the hardest thing to try to tell people that God has given us a free will that only he will not cross. And so I believe when God told Abraham, take Isaac, take him to the mountain, that Abraham was 75 years old. He waited 25 years. Here now, Isaac is a young man. So a lot of times went by. So God told him, said, sacrifice that promise. So then God is saying, okay, Abraham, is your faith in me or is it in Isaac? I've told you, you are going to be the father of a multitude. There's your promise. Now, what's it going to be? Is your faith in me or is your faith in Isaac? I need to know. And then so Abraham, when he goes to offer Isaac, I believe it's of my opinion when Abraham took Isaac and put him on the altar, God said, for now I know the free will that I gave unto Abraham, that's what I believe. It is of my opinion that God said, for now I know that thou fearest God. That's what I was trying to get to. God did give us a free will for the resources that Abraham, that's why he said, if he, if he slain Isaac, he'd raise him up or he'd give me the capability to produce another one. God has it all under control no matter what our eyes is looking at. So he can do it. And no matter how much noise we find in this life, God ain't going to never leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's stand if you will. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.